0: I think I probably have a heart attack and die, quite honestly. I'm not built for this level of stress. I mean, you know,
1: you know, I'm not built for this. I was like, I would have anxiety tummy is what I would do. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lawyers Behaving Badly. I am Jennifer Judge.
0: And I'm Karen Delaney. Welcome back, friend. You made it.
1: I made it. And how are you doing? Oh, I, I asked ask because I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my four-year-old came down with strep on Sunday and it got really bad really quickly. It was actually, it was surprising because we've never had strep get that bad Mm -hmm. and he's just been so sick since and it's wednesday and he's still home and he's out in the living room with my mom so we may hear them giggling in the background (laughs) but although he seemed to be running out of steam when he came he came in just as we were about to record but he's been really sick and he was on Zofran for a while, which is every six hours, which means somebody's up in the middle of the night with him for a dose of that, Mm -hmm. and if he's feeling sick, to help him with that. And then uh, last night, I had caffeine too soon before bed, and because I'm (gasps) over the age of 40, that meant that at 3 a.m. I was like, should I design a new logo? (laughs) How many black (laughs) holes are there in the universe? (laughs) So I'm dying right now. It has not been a great week. Uh, But you look fantastic. Eyeshadow absolutely on point. Love the holographic effect there. Yeah. I
1: I had a webinar today at lunch that I was giving. um, So I had to do that got very dressed up for it, not very dressed up, but you know, you do your hair, you do your makeup and everything. Sure. They're logged on 10 minutes early. And they're like, let's do this one off camera, which on the one hand, like, great, I'm happy. <laughs> I'd love to be off camera. On the other hand, I was like, that's an hour of my life. I'll never get back. So well,
0: and on the other hand, you're like, but my eyeshadow looks amazing. Yeah, do not see the shimmer. So yes,
1: <laughs> but it went, it went really well. Um, so that was fine. And you know, we were in Vegas last weekend, so that was great. It was very nice to get away. We did pretty much nothing the entire time we were there but drink and eat. Um, so that was fantastic. Hung out with my husband's brother and his wife, who coincidentally were there um, at the same time we were. So we saw them and got to hang out, and that was great because they have two oh, that's kids. Cool. So we never get to hang out kidless anymore with them. Yeah. So that was very fun. Um and then he stayed for a conference. Um, so he was supposed to be home by now. Um, but his flight this morning, um, got on the plane, got on the runway, had engine trouble, went back to the gate, and the plane was taken out of service. So no. he's scrambling to find a flight home now. Um, so and tomorrow's the last day of school for the kids. I found out this morning, I told you this, that my oldest um, has half days today and tomorrow. I didn't know that. Yeah, surprise. And so, and so I was like, oh, you're home at 1230. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so we are just like limping across this finish line. We are going to like drag our bodies across the finish line of school and be done and just kick this year in the ass for school. It is done, thank God.
0: Well, and as you know, the last day of kinder for us was last Friday. Mm-hmm. And after a full year of... Extremely vocal complaints about almost every aspect of kindergarten. (laughs) My guy was so crushed on the last day of kinder. I mean, just absolutely distraught. And I think part of it is that he knows his teacher is not coming back next year. She's Mm -hmm. entirely quitting teaching after six years of kinder. She's like that that happens a
1: lot these days, apparently.
0: Yeah, especially in Texas, it (laughs) uh, kind of sucks to be a teacher right now. So Mm -hmm. she's going on and moving on, which is really unfortunate, because she's great. And so I think part of it was just knowing that she wouldn't be back next year, because the kindergarten, the kindergartners are in the same pod as the first Mm -hmm. graders. So he at least would have been able to see her kind of in passing. So I took him to our favorite local nursery and introduced him to the fine art of buying plants we don't need anytime we feel an emotion. And then we Perfect. planted a butterfly garden. So <laughs> yeah, great, great end of the school year.
1: <laughs> that is, you know, that's a gateway garden is the butterfly garden. And then next year, we'll be sending each other pictures of our vegetable garden, because I already sent you mine. So next year, I look forward yeah. to all of the vegetables you'll start growing too. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking about it. And with him, it was so cute because, you know, he started reading this year and his reading skills have gotten really good. And part of what precipitated the butterfly garden is that we have seen a hummingbird at the lavender in our backyard. And Mm -hmm. he was like, we should plant more plants that the hummingbird likes. And so he was reading all the signs at the nursery for plants that attract bees and butterflies. And he wanted to get one of everything that said it attracted pollinators. But like, everything said it attracted pollinators i was like buddy we gotta like everything here is good for bees and butterflies so (laughs) i get it i'm with you i want to buy everything too but we only have so much space in our tiny little backyard so we're gonna have to be a little bit more selective but uh yeah we're gonna have that for a while and that that will be our our gateway garden for sure
1: I had a breakfast today topped with the cherry tomatoes that I grew myself from seed. And the feeling of self-satisfaction of eating something that you grew from seed is just like unparalleled. So I highly recommend it.
0: That is so amazing. It's well, and we've had a lot of problems here because we have just rabbits everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they will literally, I mean, I've planted stuff. And in two days, I mean, it's completely gone. There have been bear patches in our backyard because they've eaten the grass down. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's terrible. And we don't have enough natural predators. And so it's been really difficult to grow anything here. But I've recently started getting some planters. So hopefully we can keep the rabbits out of it. And maybe we will like you grow well I'll get you a coyote and you can have you
1: can have a natural predator some coyotes and foxes <laughs> to let loose around your backyard
0: oh god please do yeah
1: <laughs> or a puppy I've, I've got them in abundance you can have one.
0: <laughs> oh no we have our our dog that is a alleged lab labradoodle I think I think she's allegedly a mini labradoodle there's a lot of suspicion around that claim um <laughs> she is she does enjoy a rabbit here and there if she can catch them, so she has reduced some of the problem in our backyard, but that is not my preferred method, no. uh, including she recently ran into our living room with a headless rabbit and dropped it on <laughs> our white living room carpet, <laughs> and I literally just started s- yeah, I uh, well, we don't need to go there, but uh, yeah. That was not the best day for our human dog relationship.
1: No. Um, oh, one of our dogs has done that before. He found a burrow of baby bunnies and he didn't, uh, he I wasn't remember, trying to kill this, yeah. them, but he brought me in succession, like six baby bunnies. That, like no. he just didn't carry carefully enough in his mouth. Yeah. And so they're like very, very, Badly injured on my kitchen floor and like I cleaned one up and then the next time he walked, he'd bring me another one. I was like, God damn it. Where are these bunnies coming from? (laughs) (laughs) And this always happens when my husband's out of town. I got home from Vegas um, and at the house there was a giant dead bird on our patio that looked like it had like flown into a window and broken its neck. Um, so there were like feathers everywhere. It was just, I was like, why does this always happen when he's out of town? Like, I don't want to put on gloves and throw this bird away. But that's what you end up doing. it's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. Uh,
0: I love how our delightful discussion about the end of the school year has now become about wild animal maiming.
1: (laughs) So anyway, that's how, where we are right now.
0: (laughs) Great. Things are great. Things are great. Let's
1: talk more about maiming and death. Uh, Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I think we are going to decide we skip a hot topic today because you have part two of this series that I like had to physically hold myself back from Googling. So I can promise you I have not Googled anything. I am going into this absolutely blind as much as I mean, you know how much this bitch loves to Google. So you know how much this killed me.
0: Well, and I love a spoiler. So I have to be perfectly honest with you. If you left me hanging and told me not to Google something for a solid week, I'd probably be like, sorry.
1: (laughs) I think that was one of the ways we initially bonded, by the way, was our mutual love of spoilers. Yes. Um, Because my husband is diametrically opposed to the idea of spoilers to spoilers like he cannot stand them and I, it may have even been like lost that we initially bonded over with spoilers mm-hmm. because i am all about a spoiler i want to know everything
0: everything i've never mm-hmm. met a spoiler i didn't want to know everything about mm-hmm. yeah
1: Always. Always. So yes, you can understand how hard it was for me to honor your wishes. With I'm
0: so (laughs) flattered. I feel like that's a real testament to the strength of our friendship. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, we are going back to the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. I am going to try and do a brief recap. It is the largest municipal utility in the United States. It has a multi-million dollar annual budget. It provides water and electricity to millions of people in and around L.A., As we discussed in the 2010s, they hired PricewaterhouseCoopers to modernize their billing system. The rollout of that billing system was an absolutely humiliating, very public catastrophe. And it ultimately resulted in a $67 million settlement of a class action lawsuit against the city, the Jones lawsuit. And that included $19 million in attorney's fees. Last episode, we met Larry Lawyer, Mm -hmm. a New York licensed lawyer- who the city of Los Angeles initially hired to sue PwC related to this whole fiasco. We learned that Larry was quite enterprising, including colluding with the general manager of the DWP to funnel department of water and power contracts to Larry's company. He was also colluding with the DWP's chief information security officer. And we talked last episode about how that $67 million dollar, settlement agreement in the Jones class action case immediately became a key damages figure in the city's case against PwC. And I said, we really needed to talk about that Jones class action lawsuit. (laughs) And guess what? Larry's back. Yay. Larry's (laughs) got his finger in
1: all aspects here.
0: (laughs) All I can say is buckle up. (laughs) We're going to get back in the time machine. We are going to go to 2014 The city hired a consulting firm to prepare a confidential, quote unquote, root cause analysis of the DWP issues. Basically, what happened here? Mm -hmm. How did we get so far off track? And who is actually responsible for what? The consultant delivered the report. It had a bunch of appendices to support the conclusions in the report. Apparently, and I haven't read the report, I've just seen various references to it, but apparently PwC largely escapes blame. And it looks like there were a bunch of bugs and defects in the billing system that DWP executives knew about. And instead of fixing those bugs, they were like, well, why don't we go live?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always a good choice.
0: (laughs) So they did. And predictably, that did not go well for them. In late 2014, the DWP releases the root cause analysis report to the public, but it does not release any of the appendices. But at the same time, there are a number of plaintiff's attorneys who have filed, already filed class actions against the city, and this root cause analysis gives them a ton of information mm-hmm. to use in their class actions. And the city and DWP are are getting absolutely excoriated in the press about just how badly they screwed this whole billing system rollout. As I mentioned, we are going to talk about the Jones versus city of Los Angeles class action. Let's meet Mr. Jones. He was (laughs) an LA resident. He had a tiny, tiny apartment, but because of this whole debacle, the DWP failed to bill him for about seven months. And when they finally did bill him, They sent him an astronomical bill that in no way reflects, like there's no way that could have been what he owed for the electricity that he used for his tiny little apartment for those months. So in mid-2014, he gets on a website called Consumer Affairs, which is run by a private company, and he posts an online complaint about the DWP billing issues. And he says, I want to start a class action lawsuit ASAP against the DWP. And he indicates he wants to be contacted by an attorney. We're going to jump around a little bit. Fast forward to March 2015, Larry Lawyer and other lawyers for the city sue PWC on behalf of the Department of Water and Power. A few weeks later, on April 1, attorneys for Jones file his class action against the city related to the DWP meltdown. Mm -hmm. There's an immediate problem, which is, shout out to my administrative law nerds, there's (laughs) a statute that says you've got to give the city written notice that you're going to sue it before you do that. Mm -hmm. And it's basically an administrative remedy that you are required to exhaust. You need to give the city an opportunity to resolve your dispute before getting courts involved. And I don't know if the city can dismiss your claims or if they're just stayed or what, but it's a box you have to check. And Mm -hmm. Jones's attorneys don't do that. They just file the lawsuit. The very next day after filing the lawsuit, one of Jones's attorneys emails the attorneys at the city a settlement proposal. There's something weird about the
1: settlement proposal. (laughs) So many weird things in this story. Weird. There's
0: just a lot of weird stuff. Weird, tricky stuff. This settlement proposal has very specific information about various proposed subclasses of rate payers. So the the classes that would be involved in the lawsuit. And although the city and the DWP knew this information, it had never been made public.
1: Oh, so how did the lawyer have that information?
0: That's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. It apparently came from the appendices to that 2014 root cause analysis that had never been disclosed to the public. So do you think this is something the city should be concerned about?
1: <laughs> yes, they there's a rat.
0: <laughs> I have a few other questions. Do you think before engaging in settlement negotiations related to this class action, I don't know, the city should like raise that Jones never submitted this required notice. He hasn't exhausted his administrative remedies.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have been involved in litigation before that has a similar like administrative remedy requirement. And that's like the first thing you do when you're a defendant, you get to raise that.
0: Yeah, you're like, JK, try again. Do you do literally anything related (laughs) to litigating the claims? Like, I don't know, maybe you file an answer. Maybe you file a motion to dismiss. Maybe you do discovery. Maybe you investigate how Jones's lawyer came to have this extremely non-public information.
1: I mean, yeah, I think I would do it. literally <laughs> any of that.
0: You're like, I have, I have basic common sense, so yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> I do not default, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> so the city doesn't do any of that. Instead, a lawyer for the city calls Jones's lawyer and they set a meeting for the very next week
1: to talk settlement.
0: Does this seem weird to you?
1: Yes. And also by the way, if you're Jones's lawyer and you have this information you shouldn't have, total rookie mistake to disclose it in your first salvo in writing. Like, come on, <laughs> dude. Like You're <laughs> going to put in writing. Here. <laughs> come on. <laughs>
0: So have you heard that TikTok trend that's a voiceover of Lisa Renna from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? And she says, it's wackadoodle time. Yes, It is wackadoodle time. Well, guess what? It is wackadoodle time.
1: (laughs) It's turtle time, y'all.
0: Remember Jones's posting on that website that ultimately led to the class action? Would you like to know
1: who responded to Jones's website inquiry? If you tell me Larry lawyer, I'm going to have to like do an emotional <laughs> <out. No>. It's <laughs> Larry lawyer. <laughs> I knew it was I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming and yet I'm still shocked.
0: <laughs> I have in my script. Let's just marinate in that for a moment. <laughs> like <laughs>
1: He is representing the city, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. In like many ways. Not only is he representing the city, he's actively screwing the city while representing the city. Yeah. Oh my God. So
0: in early December 2014, before these lawsuits are filed, Jones signs an engagement letter with Larry to sue the city. (laughs) (laughs) Now Larry is friends with a LA-based attorney that I will call Carl California.
1: (laughs) He, I've envisioned him with like aviators and a convertible and like a leather jacket.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to be using some goofy names because quite honestly, there is a shockingly high number of people who were involved in this. And I'm trying to keep the names to a minimum so we don't get people confused, but... Larry is buddies with Carl California. Carl California had been law partners with the attorney who was now chief of the city attorney's litigation branch. So my kind of vague understanding is this is the attorney who oversees all litigation on Mm -hmm. behalf of the city of Los Angeles. Larry and Carl California have a plan, which is the city should sue PWC Jones should file a class action lawsuit against PwC and Larry and Carl, California should represent both the city and Jones in these two lawsuits against PwC. (laughs) Thoughts and commas.
1: It is a brilliant plan. If you set aside literally every legal obligation and ethical obligation we have as lawyers, like if, (laughs) if you don't care about literally any of it, you could probably get pretty rich doing this and yeah. you may never lawyer again, but I mean go for it, my dude. No, it's awful.
0: <laughs> and to you think cannot you cannot emphasize enough how much you should not do something yeah, like, like that.
1: <laughs> and to think that you will get away with this is what's so galling to me.
0: I feel giddy because we're just getting started. <laughs> Larry and Carl, California, decide to meet with Carl's former partner, turned city litigation chief, to pitch this idea of
1: Wait, the city Wait, they're going suing. to pitch? Okay, not the whole idea, just the city suing. Oh, you were. Well, no. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why I told you I didn't even think the last episode was going to be the best one. <laughs> So they decide to meet with the litigation chief because they want to pitch, hey, we want you to hire us to sue PwC. But also, maybe you can give us some helpful information for our class action against PwC, your contractor.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) The litigation chief agrees to the meeting. He emails back and forth with Larry and Carl about what documents to send them in advance of the meeting so they can have a, quote unquote, fruitful meeting. Oh, my God. (laughs) He very helpfully emails the Department of Water and Power's general counsel, tells him about the upcoming meeting, asks for relevant documents, and gets them. So in December 2014, Larry starts drafting a complaint called Jones versus... PWC, even though all he's discussed with Jones is suing the city. Larry and Carl go to their meeting with the city's litigation chief. He knows the litigation chief knows Larry and Carl, California, are representing a ratepayer related to his overbilling claims by a city department, but agrees to have Larry and Carl, California, represent the city as special counsel in this lawsuit against
1: PWC. That's, uh, (laughs) I can't, I can't, like, this is insane. Um, Like, it's like multiple levels of failure of ethical obligations have hit here. Like, it's not just Larry and Carl. It's also now this Los Angeles city guy. That's just Mm -hmm. like uh, saying he's going to wave away this non-waivable conflict.
0: (laughs) At this meeting, Larry says he'll draft a complaint by the city against PwC. And he asks for additional documents from the city and the city's litigation chief forwards that request to the general counsel of the DWP and says, quote, the potential plaintiff's attorney sent the following request. And I'd like to accommodate him as much as possible.
1: If I'm general counsel of DWP, I'm like, "Mm, no.
0: (laughs) Instead. The, A lawyer at the DWP sends the appendices to the root cause analysis, which had never been made public, to the litigation chief, who sends them to Larry.
1: My eyes have fallen out of my head. My
0: eyebrows were so high. (laughs) We're going to break your Botox. Uh, Larry... Later, Larry gets these appendices and he later emails the litigation chief: quote, the good news is that the appendices that you provided are a treasure trove of useful information. <laughs> and in January 2015, he sends the city's litigation chief a draft complaint for city versus PWC. Four days later, he emails Jones a draft complaint for Jones versus PWC. And the complaint doesn't name the city or DWP as defendants. It has Larry Lawyer and uh, Carl California as Jones's attorneys. Mm -hmm. And it asserts a single claim against PwC for tortious interference with contract. But I mean, like Jones isn't a lawyer, right? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know. What does he know? So a few days later, he gives Larry the go ahead to file the complaint. In the meantime, there have been other class action complaints filed against the city related to this billing fiasco. More continue to come in. And Larry meets with Carl California, the city's litigation chief, the chief deputy city attorney, and other attorneys for the DWP. And they have an idea, which is (laughs) you're making a face already. (laughs) You're pinching the bridge (laughs) of your nose. (laughs) What are you thinking?
1: I don't know, but I know it's going to be bad.
0: It <laughs> is. You're correct. Your intuition is, is flawless. They have an idea. So we've got all these other class actions. So what if we get those plaintiff's lawyers to agree they're going to dismiss their claims in those cases and we're all going to sue PwC together? Like they can join this class action
1: against PwC. In and- what is the lawyers for all those other cases what is their incentive to do that they're giving up their potential fees
0: well i think they would get i think the idea is like let's sue pwc the city's also suing pwc like pwc is basically a money machine and you join this we're all going to be aligned Mm -hmm. and you're going to share you know in the proceeds or whatever And it looks like Larry starts reaching out to these other plaintiff's lawyers to get them to sign agreements to this effect. Much, much later, there's uh, the judge in the PwC and Jones class action cases appoints a special master to investigate this whole mess. And the special master concludes that the city attorney's office, the DWP, Larry and Carl, California, came up with this plan. One, because they want to get rid of all these other like pesky Mm -hmm. pending class actions. And because they want to change the public narrative from the DWP screwed up to PricewaterhouseCoopers defrauded the DWP. Like they want to switch who's getting
1: blamed in the media. Even though the root cause analysis says that it was the DWP.
0: Right. (laughs) But there's a problem which you already flagged, which is like trying to get these other multiple plaintiffs attorneys to cooperate is like hurting cats. And they're rightly kind of skeptical. And in late January 2015, the city's litigation chief emails Carl California a link to a news article that quotes one of these other attorneys talking about how strong his case is against the DWP. And the subject line of the litigation chief's email is, doesn't seem like he's on board. (laughs) And Carl California writes back, in light of that interview, we need to get him back on the reservation. Larry, the the next day, Larry, Carl, California, lawyers at the city attorney's office and for the DWP meet and apparently to discuss strategy. Larry later sends everybody an email. Subject line, Jones versus PwC, consumer class action. And he attaches a draft of the Jones versus PwC complaint. And he says, thank you for the opportunity to discuss this matter earlier this afternoon. Attached, please find the current confidential draft of the consumer class action complaint we talked about. Oh, my God. (laughs) The DWP's general counsel. I love that I've it's been I feel like it's been a while since I've stunned you, though. Yes, you have. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) The DWP's general general counsel then circulates the jones versus pwc draft complaint internally at the dwp and we know this because he emailed it to a bunch of people and in one email he's like well we need to meet about this and before you should review this draft lawsuit and he says attached you will find a draft lawsuit you are not to discuss with anyone the attorneys who drafted the lawsuit will attend the meeting and want your advice slash input regarding the accuracy of the complaint. What? (laughs) And they do, they all get together at the DWP or I'm sorry, at the city attorney's office. Larry's there, there are DWP lawyers there, there are DWP employees there. Somebody prints off a bunch of copies of the Jones versus PWC complaint for them to all look at. And basically they like sit in the conference room and they go through the proposed allegations in this Jones versus PwC complaint. Now Larry and Carl Californ- California had actually managed to get some of these other class action attorneys to sign off on mm-hmm. this, like, we'll dismiss our claims, whatever. But that scheme ultimately crumbles because one of the class action lawyers who signed the agreement is like, well, hey, you need to send me a draft of the lawsuit that Jones is going to file against yeah. PwC so I at least know what I'm signing myself up for. Yeah, exactly. Like I should be able to evaluate it before I dismiss my client's claims and Larry won't do it.
1: <laughs> That's a giant red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll send it to everyone else in the fucking world, but not this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So these lawyers, uh, like rightfully so, are like, you know, this seems a little suspicious. Yeah. Now the city had also hired a different external firm, which I will just use the boring name Firm A for mm-hmm. For. And Firm A was supposed to help defend the city and these various other state class actions that have been already filed against the city. Well, they get wind of this scheme and they send an email to the DWP's general counsel and several other DWP attorneys like,
1: Hey, we have <laughs> concerns. I was just about to say, do you feel like you're taking crazy pills? Like everybody seems to be on board with the scheme and thinking it's fine. And like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's have a meeting about it. Let's all email about it. And I'm sitting here thinking, wait, did I misunderstand everything I've learned in ethics? Like, how are we not all- screaming from the rooftops?
0: All I can say here is that everybody involved here appears to live in a completely separate universe than i do <laughs> yes. i can't even wrap my mind around this so firm a does a whole memo to the dwp about why this is problematic like there are conflicts issues yeah it may make any information you share with larry and carl california discoverable to pwc yeah that's
1: not like there's joint privilege issues like it, it's not <laughs> they're adverse right and if,
0: <laughs> if you've If you file a class action against PwC, they are going to they're bringing in the city, yes, as a necessary (laughs) party. And then what? Yeah, DWP's attorneys are basically like, "Hey, cool, we forwarded this to the city attorney's office." It's unclear exactly what happens, except it looks like the lawyers in the city attorney's office are finally like, "Oh, maybe this isn't a great idea."
1: (laughs) Oh, we didn't think past step one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Jones versus PwC dies because it turns out it was an infinitely stupid, unethical idea in the first (laughs) place. Okay, but what are we doing? Larry, Carl California, the city's litigation chief and the city's chief deputy city attorney, who I understand to be like the top two officials under the city attorney himself. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong about that, but that's kind of my understanding. Well, they meet. And we don't know exactly what the conversation was, but apparently they were like, well, I mean, we already have this guy Jones who wants to sue somebody. So what if he sues the DWP and we use that as a vehicle to resolve all of these various class claims that have been asserted by a bunch of different people against the DWP? And they decide, like, okay, this lawsuit needs to include include all of the claims that have already been brought in these other class actions because not all the class actions are identical, right? Like there yeah. are different people with different issues. Yeah, and exactly. so the different lawsuits allege different claims. And they even start referring internally to the Jones versus City lawsuit as the white knight lawsuit or the <sighs> white knight strategy.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I, my mind is blown. Like, I, I've heard of this thing <laughs> happening before, honestly, but because for those who aren't aware, if you have a class claim, and it is resolved, even if you had no idea that it occurred, when that settlement was reached, you know, if you are part of that class member, that wipes out your ability to raise those legal issues. So basically, you get finality when the court signs that settlement agreement or signs off on that settlement. So that's why they want to do it is basically there is no way anybody else out there is going to raise a claim if they can get this settled.
0: Yeah. And so basically the Jones versus city lawsuit is going to be the white knight that rides in mm-hmm. and saves the city in Carl, California ultimately testifies that attorneys at the city attorney's office quote unquote directed Larry to file the lawsuit against the city. Their own oh attorney in the PWC <laughs> case. I-
1: <sighs> There's literally no words. There's literally no <laughs> words.
0: <laughs> so in early March 2015, Larry and Carl, California, as special counsel to the city of Los Angeles and the city attorney's office file this lawsuit against PwC on behalf of the city. And the city attorney immediately has a, pref- a press conference like same day where he's like, justice for the city of Los Angeles <laughs> and smears PWC. Mm-hmm. But now that the plan is for Jones to sue the city, Larry can't be listed as an attorney on that lawsuit, yeah, right? Get, like that's yeah, they'll be obviously uh, no so extremely true. problematic. Yeah, exactly. We, yeah, we can't just like make everybody aware that we're doing yeah. deeply unethical things. Enter...
1: Auto, Ohio! Auto <laughs> <laughs> Ohio, to me, has like thick rim glasses and a handlebar mustache, so that just so you know that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs>
0: Otto, Ohio is another plaintiff's class action attorney based in Cleveland who has been co-counsel with Larry on other cases. And he and local counsel are ultimately listed on the Jones versus city lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And for those who may not know, when I refer to local counsel, Otto is licensed in Ohio. So he can't just go into California and start suing people in California. He has to have another California attorney who helps him. And that attorney is not Larry and it's not Carl, California, for obvious people, for obvious reasons, but it is somebody hand selected by Mm -hmm. Larry, essentially to be a friendly local attorney. So Otto and this local counselor ultimately listed on the Jones versus City lawsuit. Larry and Carl, California, obviously are not. Late March 2015, Larry introduces Otto, Ohio to Jones via email. But like, how do you explain that you're bringing in this other guy all of a sudden from Ohio?
1: Like, <laughs> Hey, client, fun twist for you. Like, look yeah. at my friend from Ohio. He's going to represent you from now on. Go with God. Have fun.
0: <laughs> so Larry basically says... Well, look, the city of Cleveland signed an agreement with PwC related to their water department in implementing the same billing system that was supposed to be implemented at the DWP. And apparently that also got all kinds of screwed up. And Otto, Ohio is in Cleveland. So he has some (laughs) unique insights into what happened there and will be super helpful in this case. And he says, quote, because of Otto Ohio's unique knowledge of what happened in Cleveland, I have asked him to get involved with a number of things in the case. So you will be hearing from him more and more as
1: the case proceeds. So he's using him as by virtue of this man living in Cleveland, he is an expert on this topic of law. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and he, I mean he does try to make it sound like Otto had some sort of involvement in whatever this issue mm-hmm. is with the Cleveland Water Department, but this is all total bullshit, by the way. Otto doesn't know anything about whatever <laughs> the issues are supposed to be with the Cleveland Water Department. Like he doesn't know anything. This is just what they're telling Jones to get him to like go along yeah, without sign questioning off on it. This. Yeah. A few days later, Larry, who by this time has filed the city's lawsuit against PWC. Sends Jones and Otto Ohio a draft complaint for Jones to sue the city of Los
1: Angeles. Again, like you have broken my Botox. It's like I'm gonna have to go get <laughs> another shot soon because my eyebrows just lifted off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> uh, new merch idea. Quote, you have broken my Botox, unquote. <laughs> Jones, so Jones takes a look at this draft complaint, but he doesn't notice that Larry's name is nowhere to be found on this complaint. And I mean, why would he? He's not an attorney. Nobody has said anything to him about Larry can't be your lawyer anymore. Mm -hmm. And so he gives the go ahead to file. So on April 1st, Otto, Ohio, his local counsel filed Jones versus the city of Los Angeles. So that settlement proposal that gets sent to the city the very next day, mm-hmm. the special master concludes that Larry Ghost wrote it and sent it to Auto Ohio to send to the city. Oh my God. This is why it includes the, confidential it, yeah. non-public information. By the way, the special master later found that when, when the city received this demand from Auto Ohio, there were 13 city employees at least between the city attorney's office And the Department of Water and Power that knew that Larry and Carl California were representing Jones related to his claims against the city.
1: I can't. Like it blows my mind. Like 13, one is a lot. And two, like you don't have to be a lawyer to understand like how bad this is, but you probably have a general idea that it's not allowed, like as a passing layman's reference to what lawyers can and can't do.
0: It's so bad. I mean, it's one of the worst, I think, ethical conflicts you could possibly have.
1: Yeah, I mean, this isn't like, you know, we talk about stealing money and all that, like, people steal money. This is like a direct ethical conflict with your client. And especially when one of those clients hasn't even signed off on that conflict.
0: Yeah. Uh, So obviously, stupid a thing to do. I don't even think it would be on the ethics exam we all have to take. No, they <laughs> like, would not never obvious even, you can't it's do that. so
1: obvious, like no one would do that. <laughs> so
0: 10 weeks after this lawsuit has been filed, when we think there are tens of, of millions of dollars in potential damages at issue, there's been no discovery, no motions. The city hasn't even filed an answer. The parties go mediate. And they find a respected, retired federal judge to act as their mediator. And I'll ask you a question. You've gone to mediations. How would you describe the mediation process to people who haven't been to one?
1: Yeah. I mean, you go in and you want to use the mediator as like this Neutral third party, basically, to help you look at your case and come to some settlement. And generally a mediation, when you come to a settlement, both sides are relatively unhappy with where it ends up. Like their mediator's job is to push you. But practically, like you go in and you get in your conference room and they get in their conference room and the mediator visits with one side at a time and they'll ask you questions or want to know more about your arguments, and then they'll relay, you know, the plaintiff wants X amount. What do you think about that? And here's why I think your case is weak, you know, and you make your argument to the mediator and then you give them your counter offer and he takes it over to the plaintiff and does the same thing on their side. So it's kind of a way to look at the weaknesses in your case and also have a neutral third party help you assess like your strength and eventually come to some compromise, hopefully.
0: Right. To get it, to get mm-hmm. it settled and oftentimes, before you even go to the mediation, you will do a mediation brief, a mediator's brief mm-hmm. that is for mediator's eyes only. At least here in Texas, it does not go to yes. the other side.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it, it provides background on your case to help educate the mediator so you're not wasting time at the actual mediation doing that. It gives your perspective. It might highlight the strengths in your case, the weaknesses in your case. It might evaluate Perceived weaknesses in your case, and respond to those about mm-hmm. why you don't actually think that's a big deal. And it's helpful to set yourself up for success to uh, actually go to mediation. Let me ask you a question: um, Have you ever drafted an opposing parties mediation? Group? <laughs> I wish I had
1: before, after, but no. I want to make things easier. Yeah, no, I have not actually. <laughs>
0: It looks like Larry in Carl, California, helped draft the city's mediation brief. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, let me ask you another question. Let's suppose you plan on going to a sham mediation to collude with your litigation opponent on a massive public settlement. However, you have a client that has no idea that this is a sham
1: Yeah, he thinks- Problem? Um, No, your little client thinks that this is like, he's getting his rights vindicated, and he's vindicating the rights of an entire class of people. Like, he hasn't signed on to your little sham.
0: And it seems like your client's very presence at this mediation might threaten to bring the whole thing down. So Otto, Ohio gives Jones the heads up about the mediation, but he makes it sound like Jones can't attend because it's, quote unquote, confidential. So Jones doesn't go. He doesn't attend any of the mediations because he doesn't understand that he can. And that actually, as the party, he should be there. Yeah. So the parties go to mediation in June. Uh, Even though Larry Lawyer in Carl, California, are not listed as counsel for any party, In this litigation, they show up anyway
1: to the mediation. (laughs) They're so worried about their house of cards collapsing, but they like saunter in and like the blue and orange tuxedos from Dumb and Dumber and like top hat and tails like waltzing. In In
0: fact, Larry and the chief deputy city attorney are apparently the ones who do all of the negotiating on behalf of the city. Oh, my God. At least pretend
1: like it's a real mediation. (laughs)
0: But Larry's, like, he's negotiating on behalf of the city when he represents Jones, yes, he represents yes. the plaintiff. <laughs> According to the special master, they gin up some fake controversies to squabble over. Because, I mean, after all, you need this retired judge to, to buy lend into the, the veneer yeah. of legitimacy, so you need him to buy this. So apparently at one point, Otto, Ohio accuses the dwp and its lawyers of lying to him and giving him unreliable (laughs) data and i love i i thought it's like if jack nicholson was screaming you can't handle the truth and tom cruise is like lol yes great performance (laughs) good job queen yes the outrage They do this for two
1: days. Shut up! A two-day mediation.
0: <laughs> two-day mediation. I mean, because these are massive claims, and this is a yeah, really complicated dispute. You can't be like,
1: "Well, eight hours later, got that all done. Let's go."
0: No, half day. <laughs> should we order lunch and go home? Yeah. And they sign a tentative memorandum of understanding, which is basically like the basic framework yeah. for a settlement agreement. But they don't have attorneys' fees worked out yet, and they still have to work out. Things like, well, how
1: are we actually going to structure remediation, which the city is. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, and maybe you're going to touch on this, too, but like class settlements have to be approved by the court. Like you have to get court approval to grant the class and then approve the settlement.
0: We can't just write this thing in crayon and be done. I mean, we do have to flesh it out. But the most important part is this city is in the driver's seat on what remediation is going to be. Well, that's because how you know to Because they're it's the be ones great. who are controlling. Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> the ones controlling settlement. So in June 2015, they file a notice of conditional settlement with the court in the Jones case saying, hey, we've conditionally settled all these claims. And uh, like, hey, related to these other class actions, why don't you go ahead and vacate those hearings and proceedings in those other cases? Because clearly, like, those don't need to
1: go forward. It's a little bit jumping the gun they there. They go back. <laughs>
0: they go back to mediation for a second sham mediation and a third sham mediation. Oh, my God. And in a July 2015 mediation session, quote-unquote mediation session, I'm using heavy air quotes here, (laughs) they arrive at $13 million in attorney's fees for these supposed plaintiff's class action lawyers. Now, remember, the city still has Firm A, which was supposed to defend the city against the other class actions representing it. And one of the city attorneys, uh, one of the attorneys for firm a has concerns about this $13 million number. Yeah. She emails the DWP and gives them like 20 reasons in a bullet point list of why $13 million is too much. And a number of those, I mean, she's like number one, this lawsuit is in its infancy. There's been no responsive pleading. He hasn't followed the administrative process. There's zero motion practice, no discovery The settling, quote, the settling lawyer is based in Cleveland, Ohio, and will be receiving the lion's share of fees despite little demonstrable work to advance the interests of the class. (laughs) And then she points out, like, in light of all these factors, you are inviting scrutiny. Yes. Of. It doesn't even pass
1: the smell test.
0: Yes, you're inviting scrutiny. This number is too high. The overall settlement number that they arrive at is also art- artificially inflated, apparently, for reasons that I won't get into. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense if you're like, well, I mean, who really cares what the number is? Because we're just going to turn around and use, like, try and get that out of we're PwC. we going to get out of PwC. So yeah, ultimately, exactly.
1: it's not real money. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's not Los Angeles. It's not Los Angeles city taxpayers that are going to have to pay mm-hmm. for this. It's PwC. Why do we need to worry about it? In August 2015, Otto, Ohio, and his local counsel file a motion in the Jones class action case for preliminary approval. And they go through this whole thing where they're like, we did an extensive investigation (laughs) that included Mm -hmm. all sorts of witness interviews and expert consultations and document reviews. And of course, this is all totally false. But when they file this, they also submit a declaration from the retired judge mediator, who also is like, look, Otto, Ohio, he has all this experience with the Cleveland water system. And he did such an extensive investigation and this is an amazing outcome. And this is, Total bullshit. But the special the special master says there's no evidence that the mediator had any idea. Yeah. I mean, he's basically relying on in good faith yeah, on what the parties what have he, told him. He them. wasn't
1: expecting them to both sides to be lying to him the entire time.
0: Right? Like, <laughs> don't, I don't think you open up a mediation practice because you expect people to use you yeah. in, in their
1: collusion in yes. a sham
0: settlement. In the meantime, plaintiffs' attorneys for the other class actions have gotten involved reviewing the settlement agreement, and they're like, "This is trash." And they oppose having the court approve it. So Otto, Ohio's firm puts out a press release accusing the lead opposing plaintiff's attorney of trying to hijack the settlement and describing him, uh, describing his objections as simply a sad, greedy attempt by someone (laughs) who has no shame at all or apparently problems disrespecting the efforts of a retired federal judge mediator.
1: (laughs) like using the federal judge as a shield onto this yes i mean they really are using this this. yeah Mm -hmm. they're
0: they're using his reputation to launder this settlement Mm -hmm. they go to a hearing on the motion for preliminary approval and they go through that whole thing again about oh i've done this extensive investigation and we reached an impasse in settlement negotiations but this retired federal judge got us over the hump oh my god (laughs) and according to the special master's report there are at least seven other attorneys in the courtroom who knew this was absolutely
1: false. Holy shit. Seven. None of them say a peep. None. Wow. Again, stunned, (laughs) like speechless. Like how do you keep quiet with that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. After the hearing, yet another plaintiff's attorney in a different suit calls the proposed settlement quote, this is possibly the worst settlement I have ever seen. So Carl California, who is not counsel of record in the Jones versus city case, drafts an email for the city's litigation chief to send to this plaintiff's attorney. And it's, I mean, it's basically like, you don't know what you're talking about and how dare you and blah, blah, blah. The litigation chief emails him back and he, he, It does seem like maybe this was late at night and he does admit that he's had a glass of wine. (laughs) He says, quote, who gives a toot what this dummy says? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I
1: I ruined you reading it back, but a toot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who gives a toot what this dummy says? This is a lawyer unburdened by ethics, decency and professionalism. He is a nobody with no concern for much less loyalty to the truth. Bottom line, who gives a shit what this idiot says? Succinctly put, if a dipshit falls in the woods, should we even acknowledge that we heard it? Oh, my God. So they're like, who cares? Let him like prattle on. We don't whatever. We're not going to respond.
1: A very uh, flourishy words too for the exact thing that they're doing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, I love that. I love that he he accuses this guy of having no concern for, much less loyalty
1: to the truth.
0: And it's yes. like, um, friend, I have some questions.
1: It's like every time the Trump lawyers would do something, they'd be like, "They're doing X," and then it turns out that the Trump lawyers are actually the ones doing it exactly. Right. Every they're like doing time. the thing. Yes, yes, they're
0: doing the thing. <laughs> I will also note it's right around this time that Larry signs his first like $1.7 million IT project management mm-hmm. agreement with the DWP, despite the fact that he has zero IT project management experience. Um, so over the course of the following year, there's more back and forth on the settlement. In October 2016, the attorney's fees get bumped from $13 million to $19 million. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> There's, I mean, there's no explanation for the $6 million increase in attorney's fees. But also, if you're the city and this plaintiff's attorney who is colluding with you says, I want more money, like, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't be like, no. So,
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and just bring the whole house of cards crashing down. So finally, in July 2017, the court grants final approval to the settlement in the Jones case. And that was $67 million. Uh, that includes $19 million in attorney's fees. Of that nineteen million dollars, ten point three goes to Auto Ohio. Now, I have a question for you. Uh, we know Larry stays busy, but he's the one who got Auto Ohio and local council involved. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of dra- I mean, he drafted the complaints and the settlement he's done, agreements. He's ghost writing.
1: He's done work of both sides in litigation. Like he's taken it all. He
0: is. <laughs> What is it, Reba that did the Survivor song? Like just yeah. a single, Mom, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Survivor. Like that's that's Larry right now. He's he's doing everything. Otto really doesn't have to do a whole lot to get this 10.3 million dollars in attorneys' fees. So do we think Larry's a philanthropist now?
1: Oh no, like he's got he's getting his cut from Otto somehow.
0: Yes, yeah. it sure seems like. Based on our last episode and this one, Larry has never met a pie that he does not want a gigantic piece of. Yeah, exactly. According to Larry's plea agreement, Larry had a secret kickback agreement with Otto Ohio, where Otto agreed to give Larry 20% of whatever Otto Ohio got in
1: the Jones versus City case. Oh, he found the one ethical rule he hadn't breached yet. <laughs> and he was able to breach it. <laughs>
0: Right, right. He's like got a checklist. He's like, yeah. Oh, we haven't done this one yet. This yeah, sounds fun. Fee
1: splitting. We got to do fee splitting.
0: <laughs> so they ultimately agree that Larry's gonna get a kickback of almost $2.2 2 million. And after the court approves the settlement, Larry and Auto chat. Each of them forms a shell company to use to conceal the kickback payment. Larry creates a company called SMA Property Holdings LLC, whose supposed mission was to Quote, create a portfolio of income-producing assets that will appreciate in value over a three- to five-year time horizon. <laughs> this company never has any assets besides yeah. being just a funnel for this money. For his part, Auto Ohio goes for Tartan Investments, Inc. So in November 2017, Tartan Investments transfers almost $2.2 million to SMA, Property Holdings. They have a big, big, big problem, though, beyond all of the just amazingly unethical (laughs) conduct. Settlement gets paid out, I I think, in November 2017. At some point, Carl California has had issues with his legal assistant. Whether she is fired or resigns, she leaves Carl California's employee. Mm -hmm. On November 16th, 2017, Larry calls up the city's litigation chief and it's basically like hey (laughs) hey guys (laughs) so carl california recently fired his assistant and she took certain documents with her and basically what she's got is proof that this is just you know a sham yeah sham it's a sham and Larry tells the city's litigation chief that the legal assistant had threatened to make these documents public if Carl California didn't pay her off. And Carl's basically been, like, dragging his feet. He's not going to do it. Bad and news, the legal Carl. Assi- bad choice. She had you buy the balls. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what do we think the thinking is here? Yeah. Larry says the legal assistant has demanded more than a
1: million dollars to oh, keep these oh, come documents. On. Like secret. you could have you could have easily paid that money to her and kept this all secret, but they're too greedy. <laughs> this
0: seems like a complete no-brainer to me. Yes. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know how liquid Carl yeah. California is. Yeah, maybe he doesn't just, have a million dollars in maybe, cash just sitting yeah, around to make Lambos hush money payments. Something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're also is a hearing coming up in a few weeks in the city versus PwC case. And apparently the legal assistant is like, look, if you don't pay me, I will be at that hearing. (laughs) Like, who knows what I might tell PwC's lawyers. You're the litigation chief. What are we doing here?
1: Oh, my God. What do you do? He's watching his entire (laughs) house of cards like crumble in front of him.
0: I think I probably have a heart attack and die, quite honestly. I'm not
1: built for this level of stress. I mean, you know, you know, I'm not built for this. I was like, I would have anxiety tummy is what I would do. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I would do.
0: (laughs) The litigation chief rightly is very alarmed. So the next day after Larry's call, he meets with Larry and Carl California in his office and he's pissed. And there's some suggestion that like what he's really mad at is that Carl didn't bring this to his attention earlier so they could like nip this in the bud. And he basically tells Carl, you fix this, like fix this. Now, I want to remind you of something at this point that I mentioned very briefly at the beginning of the episode. Carl is the litigation chief's former law partner from private Mm -hmm. practice. They have known each other for uh, about 25 years Carl came to the litigation chief's wedding. The litigation chief went to Carl, California's daughter's bot mitzvah. These guys are friends. And now the litigation chief is like, you better be paying off this woman to keep our collusion secret. That's crazy to me.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess it's I haven't had a friend that's required me to collude with them. So I haven't had (laughs) (laughs) the occasion to... um,
0: There's a lot here that's outside my friendship wheelhouse. So I've got to be yeah. real honest about it. Just, like the most
1: boring friends, no offense.
0: <laughs> like- <I know. laughs> you and I really have to spice things up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, after this meeting, Carl takes his marching orders. He meets with his formal legal assistant in the DWP cafeteria <laughs> for a quote-unquote mediation. Okay. She lowers her demand to $900,000, which to me seems like a great deal if you can get it. Yeah. Would you like to guess what
1: Carl offers her? Oh, he's going to offer her like $5,000 or something like that.
0: To keep this whole scheme from becoming public. And again, she knows what the settlement number is. This has all been widely publicized. A $67 million settlement. He
1: offers her (laughs) $60,000. And that had to be like, that's your one-year salary, so you should be happy with it.
0: <laughs> probably. probably. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, but that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Like, we'll peg it to one-year salary and you can go on your merry way. Yeah. In late November 2017, the litigation chief meets again with Carl California, who tells the litigation chief about this, quote-unquote, failed mediation, again, in the DWP's cafeteria, which I cannot get
1: over. <laughs> Like there are other places to be. (laughs) You don't have to meet there every time.
0: I mean, Larry apparently knows how to do dead drops. We find that out later. So (laughs) I've
1: been to Los Angeles. There's more than just the DWP cafeteria there. I promise.
0: Right. I mean, a Starbucks seems like it would be fine. (laughs) So litigation chief, once again, is like, you need to take care of this problem. Carl California rightfully understands this as pay her, get the documents back. According to his subsequent plea agreement, at the beginning of december 2017, the litigation chief meets with other quote senior members of the city attorney's office end quote and gives them an update on the legal assistant situation, including that she might show up at this upcoming pwC hearing and I mean we don't know what she's going to yeah, do yeah. He says that he was, quote, directed to take care of the situation. And he stated that he would do so during this meeting. He later texts Larry that the city wasn't firing Larry or Carl California at this point, but that certain people were concerned about the, quote, prospect of a sideshow, end quote. (laughs) And for Larry, I mean, maybe this isn't a really big deal because... You know, he's got these contracts, he's yes. funneling towards himself at the DWP, but Carl is only involved in the city's lawsuit against PwC. Mm-hmm. That is a contingency fee agreement. Oh. And he has something like two or two and a half million dollars invested in mm-hmm. this lawsuit. So if he doesn't get paid. He's out. I mean, yeah. if he gets fired, yeah. yes, he's out. Millions of dollars. The PwC hearing takes place a few days after this. Do you think the legal assistant shows up? I think she does. She totally does. Good for her. We stand a queen. Well, <laughs> maybe pump, pump the brakes oh, no. on the extortionist. <laughs> she does. And apparently at first, she tries to give some documents to a court employee, and the court employee won't see this. The uh, Larry is there. Carl California is at this hearing. The city litigation chief is at this hearing so the city litigation chief sees her try to give these documents to a court employee and you can imagine the court employees like i don't know what you want me to do with these like go file these if you need to file something this is not not my problem so then she walks up to pwc's lead attorney from gibson dunn (laughs) And the litigation chief is standing somewhere in this courtroom watching her. You are the litigation chief. What are you doing here?
1: Sweating. <laughs> Fain, I, feigning a stroke to stop everything in the courtroom.
0: <laughs> I think I would actually have a stroke. Like yeah. I said, I'm not
1: built for this level of stress.
0: I, I like I literally cannot handle it.
1: I can't yeah, I can't handle it. I don't know. I like I'm sweating. I'm feigning a stroke. I'm like a pile of anxiety. I don't know what I'm doing at this point, but I mean, you're watching this and knowing the jig is up. I would self
0: combust into a pile of ashes. Like that's literally all that would be left.
1: Like you're literally watching this entire thing go up into flames as like they talk.
0: So he apparently just watches because I mean, how do you inject yourself into this conversation? You can't without Mm -hmm. making PWC's lawyer really think something is going on. So he watches her have this whole conversation with PwC's lead attorney, and she exchanges business cards with him. <laughs> Shouldn't give him any documents. Yeah. She just exchanges business cards. What the litigation chief takes from this is she hasn't told PwC's lawyer yet. Yeah. but us settle. Se- hey, let's settle. What do you want to make? What's your price? Let's she's settle. She's <laughs> serious. Serious. After that hearing, the litigation chief texts Carl- And says, quote, I need you to take care of this. He meets in his office the next day with Carl, California, Larry, and one of Larry's partners. And again, he's like, you need to fix this. Carl at some point leaves the meeting. And Larry's, I guess, just musing to himself. And he's like, you know, maybe Auto Ohio should kick in. And I think the implication is like, well, if Carl doesn't have the money to do this, maybe... Auto Ohio should kick in some money too because mm-hmm. I mean he's benefiting from keeping exactly. the secret. Could, so why doesn't he, he pay? Like why too. is it all on Carl? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Carl meets with his former legal assistant that night. Do you want to guess how much he ultimately agreed to pay her?
1: Um, they ultimately agreed, so he actually got her to sign off on it. Hmm. Seven fifty. Eight hundred thousand dollars.
0: Oh, not far off. <laughs>
1: He finally did. He it. He agrees
0: to pay her eight hundred thousand yeah. dollars. He texts the city's litigation chief to let him know.
1: Litigation chief texts back, "Quote, good job." It's so handy that they did everything in writing with this.
0: It's also interesting too because it's a bunch of litigators. Yeah, like we you all know. know stuff is discoverable. Exactly, you know. He, uh, the litigation chief, also tells Carl. To make sure that there's a strong confidentiality agreement with the legal assistant to make super duper sure she doesn't tell anybody about the $800,000 or the return of the documents that she took.
1: She's already tried to extort us once, but I bet this confidentiality agreement will really hold her feet to the fire in compliance. Right. Right.
0: As I mentioned in the last episode, Larry has pled guilty to honest services fraud and bribery. Even though that plea agreement is dated in November 2021, he has yet to be sentenced. His sentencing hearing is scheduled for June 27th, so about a month away. There is only one other attorney who has pled guilty in this entire fiasco, and that is the litigation chief. His guilty plea was filed in January 2022. Do you want to take a stab at how much time he was sentenced to? He's been sentenced, um, I would say
1: seven years.
0: He was sentenced a couple of weeks ago. And I think this is actually how this whole thing came to my attention is there was a story about it Mm -hmm. that came across my law 360 emails. And I was like, huh, what's that about? He gets three years probation, 400 hours of community service, $50,000 in fines and nine months in home detention. So he doesn't really go to jail. (laughs) Yes. The government actually included a motion for downward departure from the sentencing guidelines in their sentencing memo, and it is entirely redacted, but some other references in the brief seem to indicate that they recommended that he be sentenced below the guidelines because he had provided substantial cooperation not only to the government, but to the state bar. Yeah. Now, I told you that New York disbarred Larry Lawyer once he pled guilty. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the state of California has not disbarred the litigation chief. They placed him on involuntary inactive status after he pled guilty. And that's the last update between the city attorney's office, the DWP and all of the outside lawyers involved. I counted at least 12 California lawyers who apparently had some awareness of the Jones collusion scheme. At this point, it does not appear that anyone other than the litigation chief has been publicly disciplined in any way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know bars are slow. Yeah. And you've got people who ostensibly could be high powered attorneys. I mean, people who maybe Mm -hmm. you're at the city attorney's office, you know, maybe there are ongoing investigations and there will be proceedings. We Mm -hmm. don't we don't know. We won't know until anything is made public. The next episode is going to be, how did all of this come to light? Yes. How did this whole thing crumble? We've paid off the legal assistant. We paid her $800,000. We should be good, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's honor among thieves, obviously. So Sort of. <laughs> 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 I guess until the FBI comes knocking on Larry's yeah, exactly. door. He's like, well, jigs up. <laughs> Time to sing like a bird. <laughs> next week, we will talk about how this all came crashing down
1: you weren't lying you blew my mind like this is (laughs) (laughs) the worst ethical conflict that i think we've done yet on this podcast in terms of like how pervasive it was and how many people knew about it like this is insane and
0: i I still can't wrap my mind around it I, I, i really can't
1: i can't i can't believe that it went this far and no one ever raised it i mean we'll talk about it more next next episode obviously but this was a very complex scheme that anyone could have and had to technically under their obligations say something about.
0: Right. And there were so many people involved. And so on the one hand, it seems like it should have been really easy for this to fall apart because mm-hmm. you would think that you would want to keep this scheme to the smallest circle of people you possibly could. On the other hand, maybe that having that number of people involved increases the peer pressure to stay silent, because you're like, well, I don't want to be the one. Well,
1: and maybe it gives it the veneer of, I mean, just like as you were describing it to me, and everyone meeting about these things, I was sitting here thinking, did I misunderstand ethics for 15 years? Like this sure (laughs) seems problematic. (laughs) But they seem to be okay with this. So I could see how if you're involved in it, you're kind of thinking to yourself like, it seems questionable, but if everyone's okay with it, I guess I'll, I guess it's okay. <laughs>
0: and I do think they knew absolutely that this was totally unethical. One thing I didn't mention is Larry's engagement letter with the City of Los Angeles doesn't get signed until many months after mm-hmm. he's filed the lawsuit uh, on behalf of the city against PwC. There is actually language in a draft of that engagement letter <laughs> It explicitly waives any conflicts related to Jones suing PWC. So he had it in there related to PWC. Yeah. And at some point, I think after the they switched the scheme to this white knight strategy mm-hmm. with the, the lawsuit against the city, somebody at either the city attorney's office or the DWP deletes that language out of the engagement letter and inserts a comment, delete question <laughs> mark? And it's, it ends up staying out of the letter.
1: They're so like, I mean, oh, like, no, no. We don't want to red flag our little scheme here. Let's just not mention right. it at all.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, they they knew. They knew. Yeah, they, knew. they knew. Yeah, they knew. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, like I said in the last episode, as I was reading this, my jaw literally unhinged like a snake and fell to this floor. So
1: let this be a lesson. Don't do these things. Don't do these things. Like, don't, don't represent one client while you're suing them and also... Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who Listen, we know
0: that you come to this. We know that you come to this podcast for learned ethical advice. Exactly. So nuanced
1: ethical <laughs> advice. Don't sue your clients. So there
0: don't you go. sue <laughs> your own client.
1: <laughs> don't do that. Well, that was wild. Just absolutely yep. wild. And I cannot wait for part three. And I'm going to sit on my hands and not Google to get more information. about Such a it. good friend so I am. I'm. This is Such for you. This is like physically painful, but it's for you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs>
0: all right well we appreciate everybody listening you can leave us a review we'll put a link for merch in the bio if you care to have any of that maybe we will have uh some new merch coming out soon we have some broken botox episode, but we'll see
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right thanks guys